Witness. This is Pastor Patrick Hines here at Brittle Heights Presbyterian Church in lovely Kingsport, Tennessee. And today uh, I'm going to do uh, a program on the Georgia Guidestones. Uh, my father sent me a, a link to an article about this and was curious, you know, my take on it. I'd never heard of this before. Um, this was a, a monument uh, in Georgia that was uh, set up back in, uh, let's see, Looking at the, I read a few articles about this, and then uh, the Wikipedia article. I know Wikipedia is not always the, the greatest source of anything, but um, it's actually accurate, and it looks like it's a it's a fairly good summary. But I read several other articles about it, and I just wanted to um, to go through some of this. It's basically kind of like a, a new Ten Commandments uh, sort of thing from sort of a secularist uh, perspective. And my father asked me about this, and you know what what's your take on this <clears throat> so i thought uh, i would go ahead and do a program because i think this is important um that people uh know about things like this and kind of hear what is the what is the secular agenda you know all about what are they trying to, to push and, and promote and, and everything else so it's basically kind of like a, a ten commandments from a completely secularist point of view uh, so just let me give you a little background here it's a it's a monument it, it kind of looks a little bit like Stonehenge. I mean, these are huge slabs of of, <clears throat> of rock here. It's granite. Um, the Georgia Guidestones are a granite monument erected in 1980 in Elba County, Georgia, in the United States. A set of ten guidelines is inscribed in the, on the structure in eight modern languages, and a shorter message is inscribed at the top of the structure in four ancient language scripts. The monument stands at approximate uh, elevation of 750 feet, uh, about 90 miles east of Atlanta, 45 miles um, uh, from Athens, Georgia, and 9 miles uh, north of the city of Elberton. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, who who's responsible for this? Well, a fellow named Robert C. Christian. That's a pseudonym. I wonder why he picked the name last name Christian. Um, he... Uh, let's see, approached the Elberton Granite Finishing Company on behalf of a small group of loyal Americans and commissioned the structure. Christian explained that the stones would function as a compass, calendar, and clock and should be capable of withstanding catastrophic events. Joe Fendley of Elberton Granite assumed that Christian was a nut and attempted to discourage him by giving him a, a quote several times higher than any project the company had taken, explaining that the guy stones would require additional tools and consultants. Christian accepted the quote. When arranging payment, Christian explained that he represented a group which had been planning the Guidestones for 20 years and which intended to remain anonymous. Okay, so uh, Robert C. Christian, a guy, um, that's not his real name, delivered a scale model of the Guidestones and 10 pages of specifications. The five acre uh, land was apparently purchased by Christian on October 1st, 1979 from the farm owner, uh, Wayne Mullinex. Okay, and it goes on from there. <clears throat> and so, um, these monuments went up, and they've been defaced numerous times, and va vandalized by different groups because people don't like what they say, but I think that th these ten statements, these, these kind of ten commandments, the, the new ten commandments they put out here, are fascinating uh, to read. Uh, that, that far back, in 1979, 1980, people were already thinking like this. And so I wanted to... Um, go through each of these. Uh, before I do that, though, I wanted to just make one comment here. 
Um, <laughs> Yoko Ono. Yoko Ono has praised the Georgia Guidestones. She praised the inscribed messages as, quote, a stirring call to rational thinking, end quote. While Wired stated that unspecified opponents have labeled them as the Ten Commandments of the Antichrist. But I just want to point out, Yoko Ono, uh, the, the widow of, uh, of the late John Lennon from the Beatles, Yoko Ono is a very odd character. And uh, someone forwarded me a, a link to a YouTube video of Yoko Ono, who is taking up art. Um, I don't know that you would call this singing, um, but she thinks that there is some kind of aesthetic value uh, to what she's doing. I, let, just, let me just play a little sample here of, this is Yoko Ono um, doing art at an art show. And it's just for your, for your listening pleasure. Just listen to Yoko Ono. And people are standing around in this video looking at her kind of like, and they're all holding up their phones taking video. <laughs> and you think, you know, only in a secular culture do you have the, the death of beauty. And that is, that is nigh unto demonic. And that goes on for three minutes and 25 seconds. But Yoko Ono, Yoko Ono um, likes the inscribed message on the Georgia Guidestones and, and says it's a stirring call to rational thinking. Um, I'm not sure I would call what she's doing here a stirring call to beautiful music or beautiful art or beauty at all. Um, but that's what Yoko on. Let's fast forward here a little bit. Let's see. A little bit further. Yeah. So anyway, so there, there's an individual who has uh, praised, uh, praised the Georgia Guidestones for their stirring call to rational thinking, rational thinking. So let's go through each of these. There's 10 of them uh, listed here, and I wanted to, to talk about each of these from a Christian worldview perspective. And let's talk about uh, what the Georgia Guidestones, uh, how they are uh, attempting to guide uh, I guess future generations or something after the apocalypse or the zombies come or something. This is supposed to help guide us, <clears throat> guide um, humanity into the future. The first commandment here, the first thing listed, the first guide stone principle here, maintain humanity, <coughs> excuse me, under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. That, that is so typical of secular thinking. Um, the secularists really do think that the earth would just be a lot better if there, were, if there were a lot fewer people. If there were a lot fewer people. Now, that is in direct contradiction to what the scripture teaches us. The scriptures teach us what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. I mean, there are huge, huge, huge swaths of the earth 
where no people have lived. Um, the, the, it's completely overgrown and overrun with animals, with dangerous wild animals and everything else. A lot of the earth has not been subdued and, or, and dominion has not been taken over by humanity. And I think that the secularists, because they look at the earth and they look at the universe, I mean, <clears throat> the earth itself is a giant fluke. It's a giant accident. It's just a coincidence that there's a finely balanced uh, ecosystem here on this planet and there's a water cycle and there's seasonal cycles and everything works real well for us to be very comfortable here. And because they see that as pure coincidence, um, it could be very easily broken. And you see, as a Christian, I don't look at the earth like that. The earth is not this fragile thing that we can easily break. Now, we're not, we're not to abuse the earth either. But to say that there should never be more than 500 million human beings... I mean, what, what, how many human beings are in the world right now? What is it, like about 8 or 9 billion human beings exist on, on planet Earth right now? So you're talking about 1 20th. So 19 out of 20 human beings. It would be better if they were gone, if they just weren't here. That is a secular way of thinking. Because if you do not believe the Earth was designed by God for man to thrive and to live here and to be comfortable here, yeah, you're, you're going to think that um, it'd be better if there were a lot fewer people. And certainly, someone like me, uh, who has ten kids, would be looked at as out of his mind. <clears throat> um, but I still believe what the Word of God teaches, that we are to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and that children are a blessing. Uh, is, it, is it a challenge having more children? Oh, sure, sure. There's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges that come with it. Um, <clears throat> but I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Nothing. Um, but maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. So I, I guess they, they must think that we're 20 times out of balance um, because we have a lot more than 500 million people on the earth. Second one, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Um, that's called eugenics, um, and that's Darwinism applied to the social sphere. Um it is one of the most abominable and horrific facts out there, but I believe it's because of the, the uh, in utero fetal testing that they can do now um, through amniocentesis. They can tell if a child's got think, something like Down syndrome or uh, a genetic disorder. I think it's 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10 babies diagnosed with Down syndrome are aborted. Um, we really, we, we've embraced this idea. Um, of eugenics, good breeding, that we need to encourage healthy people to reproduce and have kids, and we need to sterilize everybody else. It's a little-known fact um, that there were forced sterilizations that took place in the United States. Uh, many people do not know that Margaret Sanger, um, back in the 1930s, when she was publishing the American Birth Control Review, um, the American Birth Control League, that, that's what um, Planned Parenthood was originally called, she published the papers in her periodical of Nazi eugenicists um, and American eugenicists, too. Uh, so this idea of good breeding, of, of only allowing people who are healthy and uh, aren't sick and don't have genetic disorders to reproduce, that's something that happened here. Uh, there are people alive in America today, I believe, who um, were forcibly sterilized by the United States government. It's a dirty little secret. Um, but eugenics... Uh, the idea of only allowing certain people to have kids. Now, there, there were quotations from uh, Francis Crick and Jacques Monod a long time ago where they said that very kind of thing. They were saying that 
<clears throat> we envision a time when the government will determine what people have children and what children are born. That's what this is talking about. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. And so it's pretty, pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing to, to hear uh, that, that sort of thing just engraved in stone. <clears throat> but if you're a evolutionist, Darwinist, why not? Why not? Um, guide reproduction wisely. <coughs> Excuse me. Improving fitness and diversity. I'm going to get a cough drop. Because I'm coughing today. Okay. Thirdly, unite humanity with a living new language. You know, um, <clears throat> the reason that God had to confuse human languages is because men refused to spread out. Um, they, they wanted to unite and all be in the same place. And they built the Tower of Babel, and God said, no, I told you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, to spread out, take dominion over the earth, not to all stay in one place and build, and to make a name for yourselves. And that's what Genesis 11 tells us. These people were fascinated with themselves, and they wanted to make a tower that reached up to heaven, and they wanted to make a name for themselves, lest we be scattered over the earth. But God told them to scatter over the earth. So... <clears throat> The diversity of languages is something that God did as a judgment on humanity so that we would do what we were supposed to do, which was to spread out and take dominion over everything in the earth. So this has been tried before. There was a, a language called Esperanto. Esperanto um, is a language that I believe Joseph Stalin liked it and tried to learn it. But it was a new language intended to be easy to learn and everything else, but it, it never really took hold anywhere um, unite humanity with a living language right people want everything to be united centralized and, and God is just the opposite with God it's no be independent spread out over the earth fourth rule passion faith tradition and all things with tempered reason now that's the first uh, statement that's the first of these guidestone um, commandments that is completely meaningless what is tempered reason? What is tempered reason? What does that even mean? Uh, tempered based on what? Rule passion. What's passion? What does that mean? Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Um, I would maintain that the concept of reason um, does not have any meaning in a secular or atheist or naturalist materialist uh, worldview. Reason is based on faith. Um, reason is based upon a whole slew of assumptions um, that cannot be justified in an atheistic uh, outlook on life. And so, what is that? What is commandment number four even saying? You're, what, one person's guess is as good as anyone else's because it's completely arbitrary. It's not based on anything that's that's actually rooted in something that's fixed. What is tempered reason? Whatever you say it is, I guess. Fifthly, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. <laughs> What does fair mean? What does fair mean? Well, commandments one and two maintain humanity under 500 million, guide reproduction wisely. Obviously, these people would have no qualms whatsoever sterilizing the mentally handicapped and the infirm, aborting babies that are not wanted. So evidently, that that's fair <clears throat> and that's just. You see, the, the words fair 
and just have no meaning objectively in an atheist outlook on life. In an atheist universe, those words do not have any meaning because there's nothing by what there is no standard by which to call something unfair. There's no standard by which to say something is just or unjust. Fair laws and just courts, <clears throat> the very best you could come up with would be completely arbitrary. Whatever you happen to think today and whatever the cultural consensus is today, uh, that's quote-unquote fair and just. They're speaking of those terms as if they actually mean something. They're speaking of fair and just as if that actually has an understood meaning that, that is agreed upon by all people everywhere. And that is not the case. That is not the case. And so there's another statement that given the underlying secularist worldview here, um, neither of those statements have any meaning. Rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. What is reason and how is it tempered without any standard of reason? Uh, that statement is meaningless. Protect people and nations with fair and just Fair, fair laws and just courts. What are what does fair and just mean? Nothing in an atheist or secularist outlook on life. We're just <clears throat> evolved bags of biological goo. Um, and when one bag of biological goo bumps into another bag and forgets to say, excuse me, is that fair or unfair? Just or unjust? Totally meaningless. Atoms banging around have no ethical or moral significance whatsoever. And therefore, nothing that they do can be labeled fair or unfair, just or unjust. Sixth commandment here, let all nations rule internally, resolving external dis disputes in a world court. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Yeah, that'll work. <coughs> Someone should have told that to Adolf Hitler and to the Kaiser. Um, someone should have told that uh, to imperialistic forms of communism as they entered other nations and tried to subdue them and, and, call, and brought about wars in Korea and Vietnam and Afghanistan and everything else. Hey guys, just resolve your external disputes in a world court. And I'm sure saying that to them, they'll say, here's how we resolve disputes and they'll roll tanks in and blow you up. Okay, how naive is that? Not only that, but also disputes, resolve them in a, in a court that assumes that there's laws by which disputes could be resolved. That there's canons of justice and injustice by which something could be resolved or even talked about. But in the absence of a foundation for any of those terms to mean anything, um, what does it mean? Rule, rule internally resolving external disputes in a world court. That's not going to work as long as you have ruthless people that are willing to be imperialistic and to expand their borders at, the, at gunpoint or at the tip of a nuclear warhead. Okay, that's not going to work. Not only that, but from a Christian perspective, the only way that the nations of the world will actually become peaceful is if they're regenerated, is if they're born again from heaven. If they come to know Jesus Christ and find their contentment in him, then human beings will be able to live peacefully. Not, not John Lennon's Imagine. You know, I remember the music video for that on VH1 when I was a kid, him and Yoko holding hands and walking, imagine there's no heaven, nothing, no hell below us, above us only sky, imagine all the people living for today. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one, yada, yada, yada. No religion too, no possessions, etc., etc. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Okay, seven. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. But you see, in a secular outlook on life, where people are not self-governing because they don't know God, um, they need the government to govern them. I mean, I think it was Ben Franklin who said, 
either be governed by God, or by God you'll be governed. Meaning, if you're not able to take care of yourself, if you don't have a sense of personal responsibility and self-control, and you're not going to kill people or do drugs or look at porn or ruin your marriage and your family or beat your kids or be a, a terrible, horrible person, um, you're going to have the government to take care of you. The government's going to have to take care of you. What I've taught my children um, and the principles that I live by, the biblical worldview, is when it comes to the civil government, basically my attitude is, just leave me alone. I don't need you. I don't need you to give me health care. I don't need you to feed me. I don't need you to clothe me. I don't need you to take care of me. I don't need, certainly, don't need you to educate my kids. So just leave me alone, okay? I'm perfectly fine without you. Only thing I need you to do is protect my life, protect my property, okay? And make sure that the Christian church is able to carry on the work of ministry in a godly and peaceful fashion. That's all we need you to do. That's all we need you to do. And I'm in favor of a head tax to do that. Every family in the country, every single family in the country should pay... 20 bucks a year, 20 bucks a year for government. That's all we need. We don't need to pay 30, 40, 50% of our salaries to the government for all these programs and everything else. People need to learn to take responsibility for themselves. They don't need universal health care. Health care is not a right. Health care is a privilege. Health care is a privilege that you have to pay for. That's one of the reasons health care is good in the United States is it's not universal. It's competitive. That's why people come here uh, to have surgery and they don't go to North Korea. Because they don't have anything like that there. <clears throat> okay. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. I'm all, actually all in favor of that one. Petty laws and useless officials. Be governed by the Ten Commandments or you're going to be governed by the Ten Billion Commandments. Seriously. Okay. Eight. Balance personal rights with social duties. Balance personal rights with social duties. Again terms are being used there that don't have any meaning given the secular underpinnings of the guidestones balance personal rights what is a right what, what what is a right who determines what our rights are well could you list some rights obviously the unborn don't have a right to life so your understanding of what rights are are, are real different from mine so what are personal rights and where do they come from social duties what duties do we have if I'm a bag of evolved pond slime, what duties do I have? None. They're completely arbitrary. No, 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 you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to be nice. What does nice mean? You're supposed to love people. What does love mean? <clears throat> All these terms are left hanging in outer space, and nobody knows what they mean, unless you have a Christian and biblical world and life view that roots them to divine revelation. If you don't have a fixed and unchanging body of divinely revealed truth, the words don't mean anything. What does wisely mean? What does... Um, tempered reason mean? What, do, what does fair laws and just courts what does fair and just mean? It, it, resolving external disputes based on what canons of justice and injustice petty laws and useless officials what, what is a useful versus a useless official? personal rights with social duties what are rights and what are duties? these terms don't mean anything in fact they, don't, they only mean something within the Christian context number nine this is my favorite one prize truth Beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. That is theobabble. That means nothing. What is truth? I don't know. What's beauty? Is beauty someone throwing pain against the wall? Is beauty um, what we just listened to from uh, Yoko? Is that beauty? A lot of people think it is. Or is beauty something like a Chopin nocturne? 
or Mozart's Requiem, or a Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, or a Seventh Symphony, the second movement of the Seventh Symphony. Isn't that what beauty really is? Isn't beauty an objective thing, based on something? What What is love? What is love? Love is self-giving. Love does not seek its own. Love would never abort a baby. What What is love? Harmony? What does harmony mean? What does harmony mean? And then tenthly, finally, be not a cancer on the earth. Be not a cancer on the earth. What does that mean? Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. It's just repeated. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. That kind of bookends the, the ten things there with... Um, <coughs> Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. See, once again, if you have a secularist understanding of, of man, his origin, you're going to see the earth as this delicate, fragile thing that could so easily be upset and ruined, and that's why all this, all the yammering about global warming and everything else, and gotta, we've got to have fewer people, and um, etc. We're going to destroy the world and, and everything else. Be not a cancer on the earth. That's the way the secular mindset thinks. That's why they don't have kids. That's why they hate children. They really do think that the world is just better without people in it, without human beings in it. That it just kind of needs to be left alone. I mean, there needs to be very, very, very few people in it. But the scriptures tell us to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And that's the biblical way of looking at, at life and, and the world. So here you have a secularist uh, understanding of the, the Ten Commandments. Um... This is out there in um, English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. <clears throat> and um, it's also got some interesting astronomical features, the actual stones themselves. Um, but, you know, just once again, I want to point out the uh, Yoko Ono said it's a stirring call to rational thinking. Um, rationality doesn't make, make any sense at all um, unless God exists. Rationality uh, does not have a foundation upon which it can be justified. Um, if God, there is no God. If there is no governing providence, then everything necessary to be rational is rendered arbitrary, including laws of logic, um, the inductive principle, science, morality, human dignity. No, none of those things make any sense. The uniformity of nature, none of that stuff makes any sense. And so there you go. There's the, the uh, Georgia Guidestones. I told my dad I would, I would do this. And uh, so, Dad, I hope that, that this was somewhat helpful to you. It just shows the bankruptcy of a secular outlook on life. Um, it can't offer any kind of rational foundation for any of the statements that it makes. The, the, the comments that are made there, the statements made there, are utterly meaningless. So, anyway, thanks for watching or listening. This is Pastor Patrick Hines of Bridwell Heights Presbyterian Church, located at 108 Bridwell Heights Road in Kingsport, Tennessee. And you've been listening to the Protestant Witness Podcast. Please feel free to join us for worship any Sunday morning at 11 a.m. sharp, where we open the word of God together, sing his praises, and rejoice in the gospel of our risen Lord. You can find us on the web at www.bridwellheightspca.org. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.